0: Welcome to Back On Air, the podcast all about living life after second chances. I am, of course, your host, Jared Lipscomb, and I have to apologize if my audio uh, quality seems a bit off. I have um, broken my microphone, so I am recording this through my voice memo app just for this week while I get everything um, fixed. So bear with me. I thought about just making it a quick intro, but... We have to talk about a few things, so, you know, there's no way around the the Britney Spears of it all. But first, um, you saw the title of the episode, This Is All About Bullying. And, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what does bullying even have to do with cancel culture? And I'm not really sure, but I know as a millennial, I feel like I got a weird experience with bullying. You know, the internet, and more importantly, social media, came of age at the same time as, like a lot of us millennials did which made this world that felt so big like a lot more anonymous and it made the world a lot more smaller which is kind of a scary combination. Anyways I was talking about like my bullying experience and how I feel like it affected me and all this stuff with one of my best friends who's an actress and a co-host of the show The Vegan View on YouTube but she told me she was bullied and I was baffled because I realized this could happen to anyone And for a lot of us, it did. Now, this isn't to harp on our pasts, but to kind of like reflect on, I don't know, what happens to us or how what happens to us back in the day, you know, defines us now. But before we unzip this knockoff designer bag and unpack all of this trauma, there is some cancellation coverage we need to get to, people. So let's do it. Okay, first up, oh my god, the Britney Spears of it all, it just keeps getting crazy. Yeah. Um, oh, oh my god, I mean, we have Jamie Lynn, her sister, speaking out. Of course, my initial reaction was I was on the bandwagon. You know, I always kind of take the approach of we have to listen to what Britney says. And Britney said, I want to sue my entire family, quite frankly. And her sister is part of that family. So... You know, Jamie Lynn's initial response to her video of of kind of explaining her side of the story and that she supports her sister was initial backlash, immediate backlash. And, you know, there are court documents that show um, Jamie Lynn is not accurate with, you know, she's just not being factual that she, she was profiting off of... Um, you know, Britney Spears' conservatorship, at least in 2012, I think it was, the documents that I posted, they showed that, you know, about seventy six grand was used for Jamie Lynn's travels. So, does she know that it came from the conservatorship? I don't know. The same shady business manager, Lou M. Taylor, who allegedly orchestrated the whole conservatorship, um... Allegedly, she's very litigious, so I'm just gonna double check that I said allegedly on that one. She's already tried to sue a fan just for calling her Lu- Lucifer instead of Lou. <laughs> she she sued a fan. She sued a, a Britney fan for calling her Lucifer and making a website about it. But um, you know, it was it was. Uh apparently she was worried that the libel and defamation of being compared to actual Satan would be too realistic. So anyways, I digress. The point is Jamie Lynn has associated herself with this woman who's oftentimes allegedly been To blame, Uh, I've been showing up to Britney's house before the conservatorship of showing up to Louisiana and finding her, at the time, alcoholic father and telling him about this amazing opportunity that they could work together to put Britney Spears in a conservatorship and it would be really helpful for her at that time. So I do believe that Jamie Lynn Spears is complicit in a lot of things, but I truly don't know if she is aware of everything that is happening. She doesn't even live in the same state as Britney, you have to remember. And I i got, you know, as I was raging against Jamie Lynn and her statement and calling it crocodile tears, I got an interesting perspective via DM from my good friend Jennifer Zabrowski, who uh, uh, hosts the podcast, We Need to Talk About Britney, which is a, a totally different take about Britney. I know the the um, the name sounds very enticing, but it really showcases, it's really a love letter to Britney Spears. And, she was quick to remind me that Jamie Lynn also was a child star. She also experienced we don't know what kind of trauma, and she also supported her family in a lot of ways through a lot of years because she was actually, you know, a minor during a majority of her career. I know Britney Spears was a minor as well, duh, but I'm just saying, you know, Jamie Lynn grew up in it. And Jennifer telling me this really... You know, it was a different perspective. She said, you know, why are we doing it again to another Spears woman? Why are we attacking another Spears woman instead of keeping the focus on the very corrupt? We know the conservatorship is corrupt. We heard what Britney Spears had to say. And the focus needs to, you know, we want to get mad at as many people as possible. And I feel that Um, the same thing happens with Sam Lufty and, uh, you know, who was the first Sam in her life during pre-conservatorship during what people often call the meltdown era, which I, you know, she had just had a second baby, had lost a beloved aunt and was clearly going through a a hard time, so a meltdown just seems so, you know, oh my god, the media is so crazy with their wording. Anyways, the point is, people were not taking Jamie Lynn's apology, or not apology, but her defense um, of her sister, and kind of why she stood, stayed quiet this, for the past 13 years. People weren't buying what she was selling, and Jennifer really, um, Gave me a different perspective to to remind myself that we always talk about, you know, or that I always talk about the misogyny of cancel culture and it's always directed at women. And I think, you know, in this case, it is a unique situation because we are just so fiercely protective of Brittany that anyone who she speaks out against or anyone that we deem who might be, you know, a bad person or might have done her wrong, we want them the fuck out because we just want her to be happy because we're we're just so devastated by that testimony. And I think, you know, Jamie Lynn is, again, complicit, but we don't know to what extent. And our anger really needs to be on, you know, Samuel Ingham, uh, her attorney of 13 years who has only the past two years fought to to give Britney a voice. You know what I'm saying? So that needs to be the focus instead of Jamie Lynn. Um, where do I stand with Jamie Lynn right now? I just, until Britney speaks further from her mouth and s- sees how she acts when she's free from the restraints of the conservatorship or at least such strict restraints, then I will um, have a better judgment. Because right now, I'm just going based off Brittany's words. So she says she wants to sue her whole family, but um, we don't know what that means because her dad's been her whole family in the, te- in the context of the conservatorship. So, you know, until she clarifies what that means, I'm just gonna kind of leave Jamie Lynn on red, if you will. Now, the other interesting thing about bullying and misogyny and this twist of women getting canceled really quick is we have Amber Heard, you know, who's starring in Aquaman 2, and she was famously married to Johnny Depp and in a very uh, abusive relationship that got a lot of um, court dates and press, and I I tried to get myself caught up on it because people are pissed that she's doing Aquaman after her ex-husband Johnny Depp was fired from, you know, the new Pirates movie and the, um, whatever Harry Potter spinoff that he was supposed to be in. I actually did not know about this, but, um, my fabulous producer told me that she was, like, trending to get her off the show, and there's, like, over a mil, or off the movie, and there's over a million signatures on the petition to get her replaced by Amelia Clark, um, from Game of Thrones, which that must be such a lovely feeling for Amelia Clark to be like, please pick her instead. Like she must just be so unexpectedly like pleased as an actress, like, Oh wow. They want me to star in this like blockbuster hit. Um, Anyway. So this is very confusing case. I didn't try to get caught up before I recorded, but obviously, you know, Amber heard they, they settled this divorce that they had and she accused Johnny Depp of abusing her. And I mean, I always stand on the side of the victim and it just seemed it was so cut and dry and it seemed so black and white the way it was presented to us, you know, back in 2016 or 2018. I can't remember the timeline. But anyways, audio has since been released showing that if nothing else, it was I mean, it was certainly a toxic relationship. But what this audio that has been released, I think sometime in quarantine, it was released It it showcased that she was guilty of being very violent and physical towards Johnny Depp. And in the video, or in the audio that you hear, he refers and she kind of agrees that he only ever touches her back, you know, in a form of self-defense and you know it's a weird audio clip it's it's an hour long the the youtuber who i was listening to it was this man and he would keep interjecting and saying stuff you know and he was he would interject and say you know what she means by this is this is a classic case of gaslighting and she's actually doing this so this is why she's actually the abuser and johnny depp is being you know being uh, taken advantage of, and so it was very, the audio that I listened to from this YouTube commentator was so skewed and so excited that the victim was a man, like a straight man, that I couldn't, I couldn't get past the audio, I couldn't hear the audio, because, and then I, and then I start to read the tweets about why she should be canceled, and, you know, it's just, the worst case scenario, scenario which is like now people are saying if this can happen and she can get away with it now anyone can be accused of you know of being of being a predator or an assa- or an assaulter or, assa- or a domestic violent person and you know it's just murky ground when we get into this world of like we told you the victim was actually the abuser, and it's a crazy story. And I mean, Amber Heard is no angel. I mean, she—it's a toxic relationship. And I had—I I had never heard the audio. i had not heard much about this case at all. I was just like, okay, that's great that um, you know Johnny Depp got removed from the films if because I you know I wouldn't want to see a movie that he was in if he actually was beating his wife. Like, of course not. Um, Is there any resolution? Who the fuck knows? Johnny Depp just lost a court case where in Britain, where they said that they're allowed, there was enough evidence to support him being called a wife beater. Um, Fans are saying that there is not enough evidence of that title and that that is, should be defamation. He's got another upcoming court case in Virginia. I'm not sure why Virginia, I think because of where the printing of the publication happened. Um, so he's got another one in here in America that he's going to try to fight against. And he's, you know, spending a lot of money to clear his name and do this. I will say the one funny, interesting thing, I don't know if I should say funny, but one interesting thing about this is Amber Heard got a payout and she settled court. She settled her court case, um, you know, not with a jury or anything and not with a judge. And there are some confusing things, you know, she there were a physicals that she had to undergo, and, you know, some of the wounds did not add up to what she was saying, they weren't there, there was just a lot, there's a lot to unpack to it, and I, again, fully always stand with the victim, especially as this devastating news about, you know, Bill Cosby and Allison Max, Max sentence, uh, you know, Bill Cosby is free now, and um, Allison Mack is only getting three years, so to, to hear that devastation, I'm, on the same day that I'm talking about this Amber Heard, I can't help but roll my eyes a little bit because and and think of why, you know, people are so happy that that Amber Heard is getting canceled, and I don't know, it's just such a mess. And the interesting thing about it all is that he, Johnny Depp had a pay pay or play contract or something with the movie that he was a part of, the um, Harry Potter one and get this so whatever you whoever you stand with let, just let this sink in he got fired from the movie but because of his contract it's so ironclad he is still getting paid his entire salary for that movie an eight figure sum for the entire film, and he only ended up shooting one scene before he, you know, got asked to resign by Warner Brothers. So, isn't that crazy? He still got the eight-figure eight, eight payout. So, even, the point is, is even if he is an absolute abuser, which, again, you know, I mean, his ex-wife of, of a decade, you know, defended him in court. owner Ryder, his girlfriend in the 90s, defended him in court. So, it's a very, you know, this is a very he said, she said kind of thing. But... Uh bottom line is Johnny Depp is still getting paid and Amber Heard is still getting paid. Will the cancellation of Amber Heard affect the release of Aquaman? The the answer is probably not. Does she come off as a bully in these video recordings? Yes, she she does come off as a bully and like I said it was a toxic relationship and something it's interesting if you don't know that story, it is interesting to dive into it. Um but I don't think they're going to be able to get Amber Heard out of the Aquaman contract. They've already started production on it, and it did super well. The the first one did so well in the Chinese market. I can't imagine that this drama that's happening on such a, um, I don't want to say a national level, but it's just, you know, I, I wasn't even aware of, uh, aware of this uh, drama. I thought it had been dropped back in, when the divorce was finalized back in 2017. So I just don't think that it's got enough momentum to cancel anybody. But it is a good lesson about the toxicity of relationships and you know, how nuanced, once again, my favorite fucking word on this show, how nuanced things can be. And if Johnny Depp, if I am wrong, and you know, it was proven, and the stuff that I've been researching this morning is incorrect, and he was involved in any abuse, I take back what I say, obviously. But um, from what I read, it seems to be a very gray area of, you know, A lot of mess. Anyways, let's talk about bullying and enjoy this episode. Uh, I'll be back next week with a little bit better audio. Um, Enjoy. All right, Melina, you are back on air with me. Thank you for being here. Although I feel like a thanks is not necessary as you are one of my bestest friends.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) And we are talking about, as I mentioned, a very specific topic, which is bullying. And... The whole kind of concept of bullying and how it falls into the world of starting over, second chances, setbacks, I feel like no matter who you are, you've had some sort of issue with bullying, whether you are the bully, which means you probably have a, you know, a rough childhood at home or something going on at home, or you are the bullied, which seems to be more often the case than not. And obviously now we have this, you know, online bullying, there's just so many ways to be bullied. And... Me and you were kind of chit-chatting about about it, and I was telling you a little bit about my story in high school, and you were kind of traumatized to hear that. So trigger warning, there are some, you know, dramatic stories that we will be sharing that um, might be upsetting, but, you know, we're stronger for them, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked to learn that you were bullied also in high school, because you give off very popular pretty girl energy, (laughs) so.
1: Yes, Absolutely. I was bullied in middle school. It was traumatizing. And also, Jared, I have to mention that for us, it was a very different experience. And for all millennials, because you throw in MySpace, AOL. It <gasps> That's
0: was- right. The onslaught of the internet was developing.
1: Exactly. So people could do it anonymously.
0: Yeah. It was a new world where we were being bullied on a small personal level in our schools. And then it was now opening it up to be like, now you get to also be bullied in these other formats, like online, like people can harass you and catfish you. And then uh, strangers in chat rooms can can (laughs) harass you there too. Like it was really a weird, crazy time. That's a very good point Mm -hmm. that bullying really did take a turn with us millennial kind of turn of the century, um, middle school, high school, depending on how old you are, you know, obviously my my stuff all happened in high school yours happened i guess a little bit younger in middle school but you know i've been at war well not war but trying to connect with gen z desperately trying to fit in <laughs> so so badly so um i am scared of them tremendously and i you know i'm I'm afraid to admit that but i do not want to be bu- bullied by gen Z. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know what to do you know
1: Well, that brings me to the other day. I was walking down the street, and these two girls looked at my outfit and were like, "What do you mean, girls?" A couple, a couple of young Gen Z girls, like Olivia Rodrigo's. Yes, like a little, you know, like Like they they were ready
0: their driver's license. They were,
1: they were playing driver's license. I'm pretty sure they were. (laughs) But I'm walking down the street, and one of them says, "Nice outfit," and the other one kind of (gasps) giggles. And I internally was like... Wait, it... what was
0: the outfit first Okay, to be
1: fair, I was wearing a tie-dye sweatsuit. I was trying to fit in with Gen Z. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, to be double fair, I have a matching one of those tie-dye <laughs> outfits that we have. So we're both desperately trying to fit into Gen Z. So wait, were they being nice or were they being mean?
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but I think because we're so used to trolls on the internet, we're so used to, you know, as someone who has been bullied previously, my I instantly, you know, that little moment of panic where you're like... <gasps>
0: And so you thought you were being harassed by, <I> thought, these, thought, by Olivia Rodriguez.
1: 100%, I thought I was being harassed and it was like a spotlight on me all of a sudden. But a second later, I was calm and collected and I was like, even if these girls are bullying me, it doesn't matter, which leads me to like I mentioned the internet earlier where it was this new outlet for people to to harass us and bully us and, and a place for trolls to just anonymously to thrive to, thrive, to just 100% it's, it's thrive it's the
0: giant you know how trolls live under a bridge in fairy tales yes the internet and anonymous commenting is the giant digital bridge that these idiots live under anyways sorry keep going
1: <laughs> anyways so thanks to doing research on psychology today I realized that Even if they are making fun of me, it's coming from another place of insecurity possibly or or whatever it may be. It's not about me. For
0: sure. And so I get what you're saying. So like the power of the internet is like, yes, it's horrible. But also we now understand the concept of why people bully.
1: Exactly. Something we didn't have before.
0: Yeah. Internet. That's when we were dealing with it in the moment, like how I would have loved to be able to like Google and say like, why is this person bullying me? And then it's like, oh, they don't feel love from their family or they feel
1: too much pressure from their mom who expects them to be perfect, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The point is, is that they are sad also. And they are projecting that onto you.
0: Yeah. Granted,
1: I, mean, I, I don't even think these girls were bullying me. Who I knows? Know. I think maybe, th- I mean, if they were Gen Z, <laughs> they probably really did like my sweatsuit.
0: Yeah, Gen Z is very blunt and I feel like they would, I, I hope they would They would be honest. and I hope
1: I that they would just be like, girl, what was that choice? <laughs> the other day. Um, anyways, <laughs> yes. So,
0: um, <sighs> I guess maybe I should wear a middle part. Anyways. <laughs> So, yes. Yeah, the the point is I I know what you're saying. It is so complicated and that is the aspect of and I wonder if bullying is specific to our ge- I know it's not specific to our generation because we've seen it go on a an incline um with the you know horrible news suicides uh cyberbullying going to the next level with kids where things are really out of control and that is is too far and i feel like the our parents were kind of like the 1950s like where it was like bullies were just like guys in leather jackets with a cigarette behind their ear you know and it's just like hey you nerd you, you dweeb i'm going to knock your books uh you know and 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 we were in this middle world and well, I guess let's just get into what we experienced as as surviving bully bullying and what it did to us and kind of how it shaped us because I feel like one way or the other you've you've experienced this unless you were literally living in a bunker homeschooled so you said you were bullied. What's your experience you know with bullying
1: All right, let's do it. let's relive the trauma I- <laughs> Uh, So, when I was in middle school, I was bullied by a former friend. We were close in elementary school. And when...
0: Yes. Friend turned enemy. Yes. Very common.
1: So, now looking back on it, it's very obvious that the boy that she liked became my boyfriend. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So, yes. So, the boy that she liked liked me. And... She was no longer my friend. I don't even think we had a conversation about it or anything. All of a sudden, I became very isolated because she ended up weaponizing my culture and everything that she learned about me when we were friends. What do you
0: mean your culture?
1: Well, I am Bulgarian, which coming from the suburbs in Seattle, I'm like an alien. Oh my
0: gosh, I bet.
1: So, obviously, she instantly was not my friend, didn't want anything to do with me, and she didn't even have a conversation with me about it. It was just like, next day, we show up to school, and she hates my guts, and she's talking bad about me to all of our friends. You know, like, the fact that my parents and I spoke a different language to each other, it was like, ooh, I was the weirdo who spoke this other language, and... You know, like the food that we ate, like there's obviously traditional Bulgarian food that my parents would make at home. And that was something that she decided to use against me, just like made me out to be the weirdo, like very oh much my isolated me.
0: So like in those movies where they have like the kid come in from school, like in like on uh, Mindy Kaling show that came out last year, Never Have I Ever. She's an Indian girl and she brings like her Indian lunch to school and opens it up and like yes. like those types of experiences. Literally,
1: I lived that. I showed up to school with like a traditional Bulgarian dish for lunch that my mom had made me and everyone else was like, ew, what is that? Meanwhile, they're unwrapping their white bread, peanut butter and jelly sandwich with no crust on it, like carbon <laughs> copies of each other. And afraid I'm afraid of salt and pepper. <laughs> afraid of anything with any actual nutritional value. But yeah, those moments, like, I mean, I remember that moment in the cafeteria, like it happened yesterday because it was so traumatizing. Mm
0: -hmm. So she was on a full on nonstop mission to just sabotage you. And did you have any friends to back you up? Were you, you, did you have like your, a new best friend to kind of support you? Or like, what was your, what was your game plan to, to survive this I obviously
1: tried to keep other friends around I had my other friends but she was very very convincing and I think that she made it seem like if you were friends with me you were against her and it would make your life miserable as well so nobody wanted to be involved in that it's middle school she's she's a bully so everyone was like I can't talk to you because then I would have to deal with her bullying me too so people just stayed away from me
0: so you were, like, isolated. I, I
1: think I ate my lunch in the bathroom one time.
0: Oh, my God. So mean girls love you. <laughs> I, um, so, wow. So so what's the resolution to this? I mean, did you just eventually have to get over it? or? And- I mean,
1: my parents obviously did everything that they could. They talked to... I, I didn't want to get my parents involved because I very much was independent in that way. But it got to the point where I was like, I can't be eating lunch on the toilet at school. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I got my parents involved. I told them what was happening. And uh, they talked to the principal they talk to the teachers they're like we can't do anything like you know kids will be kids but that's its own separate issue
0: that is a definitely that is its own separate issue yes, that we and I have. think they are working on that nowadays so that was a big issue that I faced as well but I, I think so. a lot of us millennials have faced that kind yeah, of I apathy think. from teachers and whatnot
1: so I left school one day and her and another girl who I used to be friends with started following me and I was like why are they following me this is so weird and so they hop in the car with the girl's mom and the mom starts following me. She's like helping them like <laughs> follow me through the streets. So oh luckily I had one of my uh. old, you know, I had the old little Nokia cell phone. <laughs> so I call my dad and I'm like crying and I'm like, help me. I'm being followed. And my dad's like, okay. Wait, so
0: you're on foot and these people are in their car. In
1: their car. Being and I'm, like,
0: driven by their mother.
1: Yes. And I'm literally to, weaving to do through what? houses. What are they
0: do? What is like their plan?
1: I don't know. Obviously in my mind, I'm like, what else do they want besides to beat the shit out of me? I, oh I don't know. God. So I'm like on the phone with my dad. He's like, okay, go back to the market. Go inside. They're not going to do anything to you there. He pulls up outside. And this woman literally pulls up at the same time as my dad. And my dad gets out of the car and starts screaming at her. He's like, what are you doing? You are an adult. Like, what are you going to do? Beat up my child? Like, what's wrong with you? So anyways, (laughs) needless to say, my parents were like, you are never stepping foot back into that school again. Like, obviously, the principal teachers won't do anything yeah We're not this putting is beyond you
0: in that this is beyond just you know name this calling like, or whatever this is like
1: like i'm in danger and, and, and also like
0: the parent the mom involved what the fuck is I that mean, about listen
1: if anyone who's listening to this knows anything about mount lake terrace washington <laughs>
0: wait, wait are you giving a <laughs> shout out to your suburb
1: <laughs> it's not my suburb it's it's where i went to school but like if if you know mount lake terrace washington
0: i don't if, think i can promise you no one does <laughs> <laughs> there's shout like- out to if you know mims Florida shout out to that <laughs> that area where I lived for a year.
1: But anyone from that place would be like, yeah, that makes sense. That's- I mean
0: I feel like a lot of people outside of the major metropolises that makes sense for them because mm-hmm. that's pretty much the routine way, especially 10 20 years ago you know that's that's how bullying happened so so what happened so you left school and
1: i moved to another school um i walked into that new school with you know it's it is sad it's extremely sad that i feel like i lost that that feeling of being a child that safety that you get from mm-hmm. it where you, you you feel like you're always protected like you know i i lost that but I I walked into this new school with a new armor around me, like this newfound strength, like it's a new chapter. I feel like if I can handle that, I I know how to protect myself now. And I went into it cautious. I did make new friends, but I was very cautious about who I spoke to. And and the nice thing about it is I went from having this very negative spotlight on me to Mm. to kind of blending in with everybody.
0: And sometimes that's all you need is just to feel normal, especially when you feel like such an other. And I mean, obviously this is something that's a topic of conversation now as you know, the systemic racism in society is unveiled is like, it's so hard to be an other in any capacity. And in your tiny little town, you were an outsider and an other and an alien just because you were from Eastern Europe. And it's insane
1: because I grew up up until I moved to LA thinking that I'm not white because everyone there would tell me you're not white.
0: Y'all yeah, look at the white. picture of Melina that's posted, <laughs> posted with this episode. And
1: I'm not kidding you. They would like, people would tell me like my, my classmates, et cetera. You're not white. Look at your last name or you speak God. another language. Look at your skin. Like I have olive skin. So that means that I'm, I'm not white. And then I came to LA and I remember, I, I don't know, I was filling out an application or something and I was like, well, I'm not this I'm not this what and they're like what are you talking you're Caucasian you're white as fuck like what are you talking about and I'm like having this identity crisis
0: oh my I- god <laughs> the the small suburb tricked you into thinking you were some <laughs> like oh god alien extraterrestrial life like
1: I don't fit into any category <laughs> yeah, I don't even alien. belong on earth I don't even belong on earth beat oh me up my
0: god well so that's good you know it's good and it's bad because it's good that you were able to f- find the strength and confidence. And I'm sure without that, that might not have given you this motivation to, you know push you to follow your dreams and to come to LA and to you know stay with your boyfriend who's also a dear friend of mine Brendan and create a life that you want to live and happiness and I think that's important um to note with all the negative side effects of bullying and this obviously isn't like pro-bullying podcast (laughs) but but I think it's interesting to note that even through that you know quite traumatic experience something that you can still recollect at 30 years old Mm -hmm. you know These things affect us.
1: Okay. And obviously I know your traumatic story, but I think that this is something you need to share with your listeners. So let's, let's talk about it.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, good Lord, after the trauma of having cancer and a bone marrow transplant all during a global pandemic, the, my definition of trauma has changed so much. And so yes, the experience I faced being bullied as, you know, in high school, as like a 15 year old was extreme. But I have to tell you, I do not think about it frequently. Um, But what a wild time it was. And it was definitely several years. And, you know, we had moved. My dad's a preacher. And so it involved him moving around a lot. And we always kind of lived in the South, all over the place. And we ended up in Indiana. And I'm talking a town of 800. The, the school was K through 12. So I was going to be valedictorian of my class junior year of a class of 13 with about a 3.5 GPA. I think my salutatorian behind me had like a 2.9 GPA. Let's just, let me, that's what we're <laughs> dealing with here, okay? And so not only was I the only... Possibly gay person because I was not out of the closet at this time. I was, oh. yeah, I was living in fear, and I was still. My dad was, my parents were religious, and although I had an easy time coming out with them, and they were accepting. I grew up religious, so I wasn't sure about being gay.
1: Whether it was safe. Yeah, w- yeah.
0: whether or not I could come out or not. So it was yeah. still confusing. And also, I was young. I wasn't. I wasn't quite to that point of. Ex- you know, we we weren't exploring our sexuality. All of us at such a young age, as kids are nowadays. Yeah. You know. Oh my god, I feel like such a boomer saying that. Kids nowadays, but you know, for real, <laughs> like like it's like you do the side by side of someone who's fifteen. You know, oh, I've me, seen them. The memes Me on 15 Instagram. versus a 15 year old now. We are not the same. No, we are not the same. No. But so the point is I was, you know, terrorized on a daily basis because I was, I'm just innately homosexual. This is, I am innately queer. And this is how I know, like, there's no such thing of like choice in being, in being gay or being queer or whatever, because like I was born so, you know, Feminine, and I, I, in touch with my feminine side, and I talk the way I've talked, and I've always spoken like this. But I've also, incidentally, always have been a giant. I've always been like a foot taller. When I was two, my mom always felt bad because you know people thought I was four and should be acting better, but I was actually just a two-year-old. So I've, I've always had this weird kind of dichotomy of being like very big, but also very feminine and very gay and very queer even before it had anything to do with my sexuality or sexual organs or genitalia or anything. It was just like, that's who I am. And so I show up in this small town and they ain't seen nothing like it. They haven't (laughs) seen black people besides on their TV. There was no, no, out of that 800 people, not a, not a, one of them was black, Latino, Asian. I was the closest thing to a minority as a possible white gay person. Um, and again, I say possible only because I hasn't come out of the closet yet. So I, to them, was so different. And it scared the fuck out of these boys. And I'm talking the good old boys. I'm talking they were...
1: I, Describe uh, them. I want a, I want a visual. Capitol
0: riots. I mean, like, I'm sure one of them <gasps> had to be at the Capitol riots. Like, yeah. like it would be no surprise if one of them turned out to be I I mean I you know I don't want to make a joke about the the insane shootings that we have in America but let's just say there's a reason why they are always white unstable men committing these atrocious crimes yeah and you know my bullies might fit that they might fit that stereotype of the weird loner types and it's so sad because a lot of my bullies were also like we said you know hurt people hurt people whatever fuck that cliche but the point is is yes they were big football-y type players but a lot of them were weird loners also like they were only united in the fact that they could bully me.
1: Wait so you showed up and all of them kind of were loners and then they found a reason to unite. I mean there
0: were groups you know there was like the football player team but yeah. the thing is, is I made friends with the cheerleaders who all dated the football players okay. so I didn't have a huge problem with the, the football team. I didn't have a problem with the popular girls. I had a problem with this weird subset of like the good old boys. So they didn't play football but they would go hunting. They drove the big trucks. Ew. They wore camo. You know, know it's exactly a very specific type. About. And those were the guys who tormented me and And, you know, it'd be everything from really weird abstract. Like, I got to give them a little credit because some of the humor would be so bizarre. I remember to this day, one of my nicknames was called Muffin. And I don't know why they thought it was funny. And I now find it to be so iconic that they referred to me as like a separate name, like a one word entity in my uh, high school because like that's so Madonna of me.
1: I feel like muffin is so cute.
0: I know. I don't know.
1: I mean. I know. I know they were trying to be offensive, but I feel like they're like, hey, muffin.
0: I know. That's cute. But, and they weren't even like, hey, muffin to me. They were, they would like say it to me. Like it was like some sort of slur. Like it was faggot or something. (laughs) It was very bizarre. These, like I said, going back to the GPA, I was not dealing with, I'm not saying like, I'm not dealing with like, not smart people I am dealing with the bottom of the barrel people and I will say this loudly and clearly for anyone listening the people from Duggar Indiana are the stupidest people (laughs) on planet Earth and I'm not saying that lightly and I know there are other nations that are you know very stupid like North Korea and Russia and and horrible things but the actual people in Duggar Indiana and if any of you are listening and you do live in Duggar and I do have to apologize to my you know my my sister is married to someone from this city and uh, or this Town, and I'm sorry for that. And he's a wonderful person, and his family's wonderful. But these people are fucking idiots, and they were horrible. And so, basically, what happened was this I was tormented every single day of my life while I was there. Every single day, I woke up crying. I came home crying. I had my good girlfriends who protected me, and I became more popular and was able to do things like go to parties and have a very normal high school experience outside of school.
1: Were they there at those parties?
0: They were not because incidentally, I was running around with the popular kids. I was running around with the cheerleaders and their football player boyfriends and their basketball player boyfriends because sports you know, in the Midwest is God. And so those were the gods of the school. And I was protected by the cheerleaders who were the goddesses. So I was protected by them at these types of events. So it was very confusing because I would go to these parties where I was sitting with people that were idolized, you know, the quarterbacks of the football team and you know, the whatever it is, the, the, the point people in basketball.
1: Were they nice to you? Like the quarterbacks, those guys, were, were they accepting at least?
0: They tolerated me. Okay. And it is something to say about confidence and how you said, like, hurt people hurt people. Because even though they were confused by me, by how feminine I was, and I was not how I am now. Like, you know, with nail polish and makeup, I wasn't into makeup. I was, you know, wearing American Eagle and Abercrombie and Fitch. I was not how I am now. Um, but it was still obvious that I was different. But it, it goes to show that confidence is a factor in not being so horrible to people because these guys who played football, they had something going on with them. They wanted to, you know, pursue other things outside of this tiny town. They wanted to pursue professional, sports and, and just different activities. So I was left alone by them. And the girls were living off the mean girls fantasy. So, you know, having a gay best friend was, so, was all the rage. So I was still very much a character, like a characterization. I wasn't a fully formed person, but these camo, you know, headed monsters that went to school with me, they were the ones when I didn't have my cheerleaders around me in classes or at parties, those were the ones from class to class who would constantly be yelling out faggot fuck you all of that stuff
1: so would they wait until you were alone to kind of attack you or did they try this shit when you were like with the popular girls or when you were when you were with the people who kept you safe would they still try to bully you or they
0: would try definitely it was it was consistent i would say 24 7 it was consistent and it kind of you know we left indiana quick and funny enough florida became my sanctuary which seems ass backwards, only because Florida, we moved to a place close to the coast, which somehow coastal towns and cities always have a more open acceptance for some reason. And uh, we were also close to Orlando, which is a gay-friendly set city in general. And so between those two factors, I was able to find kids who were openly gay in high school, who did theater, who had uh, community, and it was so important. So I was able to find that eventually. But the ultimate factor, much like yours, was also a chase. And it was... Um, you Wait, know what
1: do you mean a chase? What a, happened?
0: A, a car chase occurred okay. where I was leaving a uh, some sort of school function, and I was only with one girl in her car and we were driving from the school and, you know, it was small town life. So you would cruise around the block. You would go down main street, come back around on first street, circle back to main street, stop at the gas station, get a soda, drink a beer, smoke a cigarette, whatever. You do this over and over for hours. You'd pull up, you'd roll down your windows, you'd talk to people, you'd have your best friends in the car, whatever. So I was with one of my best friends and somehow word got out that I had egged, egged someone's car and Is it true? No, obviously not. Someone it wasn't just true. made that shit up. Oh, no, someone's car got egged, okay. and it was easiest to blame the faggot. Of, of so course. they said, "We know exactly who egged this car." Oh, even wow. though it was one of my friends who was a girl, why would I egg my my lovely friend's little son? Her white Pontiac on fire? Why yeah. would I do that? Yeah, you know, I have better things to do with my life. I've always had better things to do with my life. Even when I was fifteen, <laughs> I've had better things to do with my life. Anyway, so we're cruising around. Me and my best friend. She's driving, and we notice a car pull up behind me, a truck, of course. Mm-hmm. And then we notice another truck and another truck and another truck until we have 15 trucks chasing me in this car. They're pulling up on both sides of the road. I mean, there's no traffic in this little city, but you know, they're doing that thing where they come up around you, they surround you and we're in a little, um, oh my God, I think we were also in a Pontiac Sunfire. These were very popular cars at the time for this little town. Shout out Pontiac. Uh, (laughs) You were, if you were rich, you had a Mitsubishi and if you were everyone else, you had a Pontiac. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, they, they, they were chasing us and we did not know what to do. So, again, just like you, Nokia phone and uh, called my parents. And
1: so you guys are like at a high speed, your friends driving and you're calling your parents frantically while you have 15 trucks following you are they screaming things out the window are oh, yeah. they threatening and you oh yeah
0: when they pulled up around us you know they would roll down the windows they had baseball bats they had baseball tools, ba- hammers you know things of that nature <gasps> so it was it was you know not a normal experience wow what not, a
1: bunch of strong men yes yes fucking losers
0: <laughs> but yeah so it was tra- it was a tra- traumatizing Thing to be a part of. And of course, my dad is a badass. Now I said, he's a preacher and you've met him and you know him. Yes, He's about 300 and something pounds. He was in the <laughs> Navy. He boxed in the Navy illegally. He was like a badass before he, before he found uh, the Lord and became a wonderful preacher, but he's, he's a badass and he always has been. And so when I pulled into our little carport with my friend, we just sat in the car and my dad walked out there to the cars, the 15 cars that stopped by the way in front of my house, all 15 of them stopped and they were ready to get out and they were all kind of posturing outside of their cars, (gasps) revving their engines. Some of them were standing out, banging the baseball bats on the ground, the (gasps) whole nine yards, you know, the whole situation. And yeah, my dad walked out there. I was sitting in my car with my friend, just like, okay, we're in the carport, not even in a garage for God's sake. We're in the carport. We're just sitting there. My dad walks out slow as can be dragging a fucking shovel (laughs) On the concrete, okay, of the road. And he walks to the first car and puts his foot underneath the tire of the car and says, drive over my foot right now.
1: (gasps) Your dad, the one that I know, your sweet, (laughs) wonderful dad. did What a fucking badass.
0: He put his foot under the thing while he's carrying a shovel and said, run over my foot. I dare you. What did they do? They said they apologized. They apologized. They apologized.
1: I mean, they couldn't even follow through. They, they showed up fifteen deep. They, swinging they all baseball got guys. back
0: in their car. They all apologized. My dad made each one of them apologize to him. I didn't have to get out of the car. Okay. And deal okay. With them. Good. Good. No, good. he. No, you know, he relayed and and one by one they went by and he put his foot under each each of their tires and said, "I dare you to run over my foot. Watch what happens if you run over my foot. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the pain you want to inflict." Let's talk about that. My dad can go, you know, and I know my dad it was a uh, an adult and these were minors, but I have to say some of these ki- people were not minors. Some of these were not even in high school. Some of these kids were because the mentality mm-hmm. was very... You know, I, I hate to bring up Matthew Shepard, you know, from the mid 90s, who was, you know, hit hit on uh, a man in a, in a club that was a small town club, like a little bar yeah. and was strung up on the fence. And I know. I it's, remember it's a that horrible story. story. And it was very reminiscent of that. And we thought that might be my fate with the, the anger and of course, and and the anger and hatred that was being spewed at me for no reason. For no and reason. And for no reason. And this isn't... And not even that I have to defend myself to say, like, well, I wasn't hitting on them. And even if I was hitting even on them... Even if you were hitting on them, this, there's, this is this, not
1: a justifiable action.
0: Absolutely not. I mean, it was absolutely insane. And so we did not move right away, believe it or not, from this. This was not our final move. We actually... Um, it became a, a thing of legend in the town wow. and I was still bullied. But when word got out that my dad was willing to be ran over <laughs> <laughs> and not afraid of it, um, when word got out it, that last few months that I was there, cause we had already had, you know, the plans were in place to move already before this. But, okay. um, when, you know, this, this catalyst of bullying kind of didn't come to an end, but it definitely died down. And that's where it's like confusing more, where it's like with a with someone where it's like a really nuanced bully, it's like, you know, there's so much backstory. But when you have this mob mentality and it's these guys just thriving off of toxic masculinity and who has the bigger truck and the smaller dick and they're just buzzing around town just trying to be mad that's not even you know that's not even nature versus nurture that's just that mob mentality which is similar to the cancel culture that we have now
1: and the mob mentality is very much a real thing but those men have a choice later on to be like wow that went too far so we all need to go apologize to Jared. We all need to go and say sorry. And and we can't be
0: a part of, oh, because I oh, I don't I don't want to I, I, I don't want to. I know. No, 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 not now. I'm
1: just saying in that moment. It's no. Fuck no. It's no, it's no. too little, too late, motherfuckers. You know. And also
0: there's such a power to and this is something that cancer has taught me and why I have no anger and no ill will because I know how life is short mm. and I know how precious life is and I know how grateful I am for what I have. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, yes, it's fucked up that I had to deal with that. Believe me, it's fucked up. It's also fucked up that I randomly got cancer at 31. Life is sometimes just fucked up, but sometimes these series of unfortunate events lead to really, a series of very fortunate events. And I can say wholeheartedly, and this is nothing to do with success or money or thinking like, oh, I'm connected to someone on a television show. It has nothing to do with that. It comes down to, I have pursued everything I've ever wanted to pursue fiercely and bravely and happily mm-hmm. and to the fullest that I've wanted to do. And nothing has ever held me back. And I've never been afraid because of, stupid shit like this. So to them, that's the highlight of their life was the one time they chased a faggot around town. That's their highlight.
1: And let me just say, that's pathetic.
0: That is pathetic, but that's their highlight. And to me, my highlights keep coming. Yes. You know, I have have an amazing guest coming on that I'm so excited about soon. Um, Actually, by the time of this might have aired, it already came out. So who knows? But like, I have guests that are coming to me to be on my show. I'm living my life to the fullest. I've beaten cancer. I don't need to think about these people. Isn't
1: it so funny how this is just the classic story of the people who are so hateful and bully people who are the so-called losers and outcasts? It's always the outcasts that thrive and go on in life to do amazing things and to like live like a pretty rich life, but the bullies always stay in that same small town.
0: I know. <laughs> and live and a n- sad not life. to say that there's not a turnaround because there are some yeah. that can do the turnaround. 100%. Because some people are just part of the mob but in
1: my case in your case it doesn't sound like they did the turnaround
0: yeah well I mean I haven't kept up with any of them you haven't
1: yes I'm gonna ask you since you asked me do you have any idea where they're at what they're doing
0: I have not kept up with any of them now obviously as I kind of pop up on more people's feeds you know like I'll be doing makeup on one of my clients and so then I show up on their Instagram feed I will get random DMs and let's just say history has rewritten itself for a lot of people who reach out to me because they will message me the k- kindest words. And it's a lot of women who are associated with these bullies, you know, either their wives or girlfriends or, you know, sisters or cousins. But yeah, so so every so often they'll, you know, I'll get a DM or a reach out. And I try to lead with grace um, nowadays. I know I'm saying that now after just blasting this place. But as you can tell, as much as I like to say that it's finished and wrapped up business that I've processed and moved on it is still a trauma and it still pisses me off
1: and you're only speaking the truth you're not blasting it you're That's just retelling true, yeah. you're just retelling I'm facts. Retell-
0: yeah i mean i didn't ask for 15 cars to drive around with baseball bats to i don't know what were they going to do play baseball with me? <laughs> <laughs> Did they want me to join the team? <laughs> and
1: they're like, Jared, we really want you to come join our baseball team. <laughs> oh my
0: God. Oh, oh God. my God. So
1: what's the resolution here? How do we feel years after our traumatizing bully experiences?
0: You know, that's a good question.
1: For me, I have made so much peace with it and I feel so happy with where I am in life and I, I, this is in no way justifying bullying, but I do think that that experience did uh, make me, st- I carry myself with strength since that moment, even through high school, you know? So, mm-hmm. so it gave me a strength that I didn't have before. And, and I think that you have to take a negative experience like that and make it something positive and let it work in your favor. And I think I did that.
0: Yeah, and it's like, would you have liked to not been bullied and have that experience? Sure, but it happened. You can't live in a shoulda, coulda, woulda. Mm-hmm. There's no time machine to fix it. So exactly. you might as well make the best of it. And you know what? I'm going to say mine. I agree with that. I've gone through so much bigger things since then. And of course, I'm re- referring to my life or death experience in 2019. That's, you know, led up to this show and everything that's happened that I just, you know, my resolution is I'm going to be okay. I've already been okay. I continue to be okay and, to, and continue to recover and with that recovery just comes more happiness and more fulfillment in my life. And I think, I don't even wish my bullies ill. You know, I I wish them well. I wish them well and their wives well. I wish them all well because again, Life is too short to care about someone else's business. Hopefully they'll, you know, if God is real, if karma is real, whatever, I'm sure that is going to figure itself out. It does no longer involve me. I am no longer a part of this. I have had a cancer physically inside of me. I have had cancers on my life in middle school. I am cancer free. (laughs) all the way around, including with bullies. And that's the way that's the resolution. (laughs) Good. Good. Yes. Yes. Um, We would love to hear any of your traumatizing bully stories. If you feel like sharing them. So please slide into my DMS at any time or send me an email back on air. Jared at gmail.com. Because um, I think this is an interesting, unique take on starting over. And before we go, Melina, I have to ask you about your shitty self care.
1: (laughs) So my shitty self-care mm-hmm. is when I have a day off of work, instead of running some errands and being productive like most people do.
0: No one does that, but okay.
1: Well.
0: <laughs> That's the myth of society is that we're all running around rising and grinding. But anyways, go on.
1: Anyways. Well, in that case, I feel better about what I'm about to tell you. Yeah. I go from the bed to okay. the couch. Normal. And I sit there all day.
0: Okay. What do you mean all day?
1: all day. Like I sit there and I will binge watch, for example, um, new girl. Uh I will sit there and I will binge new girl. I will watch like 10 episodes in a row. The only time I will stop is to order myself takeout and then I will hit play again. And I just do not leave the couch. I don't leave the couch.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, that is a good form of shitty self-care. I can tell you that much because sometimes a couch day is the only way.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, I think I have them a little too <laughs> too much. <laughs> well, it's
0: been a it's been a shitty couple of years, so we can all deserve a little uh, uh, grace when it comes to our couch time.
1: That's true. Twenty twenty really taught me that it's okay <laughs> to just go ahead and do that.
0: That is absolutely correct, Melina. Thank you so much for being an open little ray of sunshine on my show. <laughs> Um, You are obviously on The Vegan View, which can be found on YouTube. And where else can we keep track and follow along with you? Uh,
1: You can follow me on Instagram. I'm uh, freshly getting into reels. So catch my new reels.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's at Melina Galabova. And you can find it all in the info on this episode. And we will talk to you next week.
1: Thank you for having me. Love ya. Love ya.
0: Back on Air is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Bigas. The theme music is by Josie Mark. Thanks for listening. And please follow me on Instagram at Jared Lips, on Twitter at Jared M. Lips, and email the show backonairjared at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you stream podcasts, and I'll see you next week.
1: Este...